Hey everybody and welcome to Cinema Snorkel. I'm Casey. And I'm Carlin. And this is the podcast where we dive below the surface of movies to snorkel around for some ideas, the themes, what's going on beneath the surface of these movies. We want to know and we want to talk about it. So slap on your oversized plastic mask and here we go. Don't slap it on, that's painful. (laughs) But snorkel masks are painful no matter what you do. It's a painful mask to wear. I'll tell you what. The snorkel masks we put on for our little cover art, those were painful. <laughs> they were. <laughs> they well, were they too, were kid size. I, I scrunched my face into this little teeny mask. Yeah. So, do it for the gram. Carlin, we're kickstarting this podcast because we want to talk about movies, obviously, and we're going to do it in three sections. We ask, what did we like about each movie? But the second question is, what are the filmmakers trying to tell us through their movie? We want to pay attention to the themes, to the artistry, to the character arcs and development. That's right. And the third question is... What does a Christian worldview have to say about said themes that we've uh, isolated from the movie? Because as Christians, we think that movies are a bridge to culture. And we think that the Christian worldview has something to say to culture. So that's our podcast. What movie are we diving into today? Oh, buckle up, everybody, because we are going to talk about Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Did you oh. feel dizzy walking out of the theater after watching this movie? Because <laughs> I felt like I like a little nauseous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It was madness. Totally madness. Okay, I'm very excited to talk about this movie with you because I think there was just so much going on. Right. There's a lot of themes in there. They're not super clear to me. Like, I feel like I want to have this conversation to help understand what this movie is really trying to say. Okay, before we jump into our questions, Case, do you want to just give us a quick summary? Yeah, Doctor Strange is at the wedding of his old flame, Christine, Christine. And he decides to let her be truly happy and not raise a ruckus and go be Doctor Strange. All of a sudden, a monster kidnaps someone and is attacking the city. He flies out the window. Come to find out it's a multidimensional girl whose power is to travel Mm -hmm. through the multiverse. What, what? Dimension hopper. To protect her, they go to Wanda, who's recovering from the events of WandaVision. What? It's actually the Scarlet Witch, uh, who's not really clear what that means other than Wanda put on a freaky crown. And now Wanda's like fully freaky. Well, she's been already tampering with some dark magic. Totally. She's fully creepy now. And turns out she's the bad guy. Cue the Billie yeah. Eilish song that we don't have the rights to. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know the song. And so the whole movie then is about them trying to run away from Wanda and survive <laughs> and, pro- and protect there, this. There you go. Then they spend the rest of the movie. Girl. They run away from Wanda. <laughs> totally. In a variety of freaky multiversal hijinks. Yeah, hijinks. That's a perfect summary. Thank you. What'd you like, Carlin? What'd you like about Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness? My real feelings are this. I really was on board. For the first half of the film, I was like, okay, okay, I, I like this. Um, I, I mean, it's always sad to see Wanda regress so severely, but I figured they're setting her up to be the ultimate baddie. She's a sympathetic villain, but, you know, I, I didn't hate that choice. I was kind of yeah, okay with it. Totally. Um, I really liked the magic. I feel like um, the Doctor Strange variety of magic is a lot of tools. He has to conjure tools rather than just being able to do stuff yeah, to- with his magic. Totally. He doesn't have direct influence. He always has to create like a weapon or a lasso. Giant or buzzsaw. Yeah, they play around with that in really cool ways that, that makes it more interesting. So that that's always really fun. 
I liked the multiverses that they went to. I thought yeah. uh, we're in just a crazy new era for Marvel where literally anything anything is possible. It was fun and surprising to see John Krasinski as, you know, oh Mr. My Fantastic. Gosh. Everyone in our theater applauded when that uh. happened. <laughs> oh, but that was nothing compared to when Professor X rolled out I know. and everyone just went wild. What? It was so great. <laughs> uh, people more nerdy than us, if such a thing is possible, will be dissecting all all of the Marvel oh, like sure. universe implications of all that. I'm not qualified. Other than it, mine's blown. They haven't put <laughs> X Men at all in the uh, MCU. For me, I feel like I got tricked into watching a horror movie. Okay, that's real. I came yeah. to see Doctor Strange in the multiverse of kooky. Like, whoa, what? Oh, it's madness! Whoa, yeah, hijinks. hijinks. Instead, I had to watch Mister Fantastic's head explode and the oh all gosh, these heroes yeah. that they introduced us to die just vicious, mm-hmm. really bloody deaths. My wife and I just watched Agent Carter seasons one and two, and we're uh. like huge Peggy Carter fans. So yeah, so you like Captain Carter? Yeah, darn you, Sam Raimi. I <laughs> I'm so mad. I yeah. was thinking this movie definitely could have earned an R rating for how gruesomely they killed off people. Do you think entering into the multiverse makes them feel like they have permission to just brutally murder people? Because you can always bring the character back in a different multiverse. Yeah, and let me just offer this, Carlin, because my theory on Marvel for the last 10 years has been Marvel is playing to the broadest possible audience. So all of the Mm -hmm. Avengers movies, they're dealing with really broad themes. They're very gentle with how they treat themes like America, you know, the the nation or, you know, like multiculturalism, trying to bring everybody into this big tent. Let's not step on any toes. Yeah, I think after this movie, I have to revise that opinion. I think one thing on this podcast we like to say is we're not here to tell people what movies they should and shouldn't go see. Like, we're mostly trying to dig at the themes, but I would just say, uh, don't bring your kids to this movie. No, it is not a family flick. I thought of this too, Carlin. One of the reasons that I am just uncomfortable with horror as a genre, for me, horror crosses over a certain line because it becomes voyeuristic about people's suffering voyeurism is enjoyment from seeing the distress or pain of others and so for me i felt Uh, like this movie did cross that line with especially how they treated the poor illuminati you know when they just like ripped them to shreds i was like okay this like this feels a little like over the top does it have to do with how much gore you actually see on screen like if they need a character to die how much time do they linger depicting it versus you could get the gist without showing everything explicitly? I think personally, and I want to hear what you think about this, but my take is that it's a soft line because the most important question is why are we showing this? Why are we showing this? Classic example, The Passion of the Christ. Uh, Way gorier than Doctor Strange, Uh The Multiverse of Madness. But the question is, why are we seeing this? And it's actually to humanize and to empathize mm-hmm. with the suffering of, of Jesus. Or let's say Les Mis, right? Mm-hmm. There's a really raw depiction of prostitution in that. But the question is, yeah, why right. are they showing it? It's not voyeuristic. It's actually heartbreaking. We're, we are meant to just weep as they show what women in that era had to go through. And it's meant to be deeply uncomfortable. Totally. You watch that and you feel sick to your stomach. Yeah. You're not laughing. You're not enjoying. Yeah, totally. You walk away thoughtful and a little bit sobered. But yeah, in a Marvel totally. movie, 
Do you think there's a place for them to depict some of those harder themes? Like, I think they have. They've shown some difficult stuff. Oh, totally. I mean, think about Endgame where they have to uh, destroy Vision, yeah, like right. uh, Wanda. So that that's pretty relevant. She has to kill Vision, essentially, to keep Thanos from getting the right. Infinity Stone that's in his forehead. And that is a disturbing scene. I think what they're going for there is sadness. And listen, it's not like a bright line per se, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it is a real line. And for me, what makes me uncomfortable with horror is that the why we're seeing this is simply to evoke fear disgust slash yeah fear response pornography is to sex what horror hmm. as a genre is to suffering it's not really an attempt to deal with the content honestly it's actually a way of exploiting it in some ways so and i'm with you i was so on board for this movie i don't mm -hmm. want to just condemn the whole thing i mean we'll get into the themes i think there were some really good themes but on the whole, it was hard to enjoy this movie because of those elements that they luxuriated in. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Okay, so Case, let's move on to our second question. What in the world do you think they're trying to say with this horror Marvel? <laughs> Multiverse <flick>? of madness. <laughs> Carlin, what, uh, let me just, uh, reverse, reverse. Wiki, wiki what? <laughs> what, what? What did you think? Like, just uh, like on your first impression, what were some of the questions they were asking? Okay. Because this was complicated for me too. I mean, I, I've been thinking about it for a while. There was a yeah. lot going on. The major theme that comes to my mind is kind of carrying through from Doctor Strange 1, in which the ancient one is drawing from the dark dimension in order to give herself long life, but it's the sacrifice she has to make in order to keep the world in balance. In this one, Doctor Strange uses the dark hold in order to dreamwalk and save the day. And they, they're setting it up the whole time like, if anyone who uses the dark hold gets corrupted, uh, it's a it's an evil book, and I'm sitting there like, did we learn nothing from Lord of the Rings? Like, you can't use the dark side <laughs> to accomplish good. It's gonna corrupt you, and then you can't do good if you're corrupted. So yeah, totally. But he totally. ends up using it, and um, and then he resurrects his zombie body, and I just oh my gosh, I hated that. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, wait. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. They're asking the question. I'm still not sure. Maybe they have answered it. Maybe they haven't. Should you? use corrupt power in order to achieve the ends and to save the day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And on that theme, you know, I wondered if, tell me what you think about this. My theory was that they used the Illuminati as a foil. Okay, Like yeah. they are clearly not like true blue, always good. They're like a little murky. I mean, even they chose the name Illuminati. Right. You know, they use Ultron security guards. Doctor Strange's nemesis, Mordo, is like their leader. And they're made up of heroes that do questionable things. Like we find out, spoilers, they kill uh -huh. their universe's Doctor Strange. It seemed like he submitted himself to execution. But still, they did the thing that Marvel is like constantly going, we don't trade lives. Like remember Captain, Captain America is oh, like, we don't trade yeah. lives in Endgame. We don't trade lives. Now, the thing with Doctor Strange is that he is willing to trade lives in Endgame. Remember he says, I'll protect the time stone and if I have to let you guys die to do it, I, I must. But he reverses himself in Endgame, giving Thanos the Time Stone because it's like the only way. So right. Doctor Strange is like a gritty realist. He's willing to do the mm -hmm. things that other people aren't necessarily willing to do. He's on the side of good, mm -hmm. but like exactly what you're saying. I forgot about those themes from the first Doctor Strange movie, but I think they matter. But the Illuminati, I wonder, were like a foil. They did some questionable things, but what they didn't do is dark magic. 
They were all like, mm, quote unquote, we're like not going to use the dark hole light side heroes. Right. And they get just obliterated by Wanda. And I almost wonder if Sam Raimi set them up as like, see, if you just take the path of pure nobility, you can't uh, succeed. You'll die in really horrible, gruesome ways. And what else? Just to jump back to that whole thing about Mordo, when he finds out that the Ancient One is drawing power from the Dark Dimension, that is what breaks him. And he goes, then there's an end credit scene where he shows up to the paralytic who uses the magic to walk. Oh, yeah. And totally. he takes his power and he's like, I finally realized what's wrong with the world. Too many sorcerers. Interesting. And yeah. they're kind of painting as like, he's this disillusioned idealist and now he is bitter. And if he could have been a little bit more comfortable with the gray area, he could have still been a hero, but now he's become a villain. Right. Uh, that's a really good theme. Now, of course, in the multiverse, nothing needs to translate. It's all like rule number one, you know nothing and we can do with, with these characters whatever we want. But I do think, yeah, the Illuminati are almost like a foil about like they were their version. Their universe is perfect Avengers who won. They beat Thanos. They're but high. They they're noble. Couldn't stop Wanda. Yeah. And so almost what the film, I wonder, is trying to say is you got to be willing to get your hands dirty a little bit. Right. I guess, Carlin, that bugged me. Uh within their own framework because it seemed like they were setting up the question to be like, no, no, don't, don't, don't. Yeah. But then their solution was, well, just go but ahead. Do. Like, Right. He shows up to that one do. universe where he finds that it's like all desecrated and it's the Doctor Strange that's been dreamwalking. And he's like, totally. it's like the dark version of Steven. We've seen some ugly versions of him before, but this yeah. was like the bad one that has given in to. Extra freaky. And it's because... He has used the Darkhold to dreamwalk. So what does Doctor Strange do as soon as he beats this guy? He gets out his Darkhold and sets all the candles in a circle uses and starts it. dreamwalking. Uses it to dreamwalk. Okay, so the question is, what's the real problem with dark magic then? And, and that, I feel, is like the second question like underneath. It's like, mm. so what, what's really bad about dark magic? magic because right. here's what was hard with this they asked like like should you ever use dark magic and they set up the tension but their answer is booyah do it and they do that <laughs> in a few ways because like christine is like you are the master of the mystic arts use them yeah um, oh my gosh her character arc then seems to go from being a very responsible voice of reason in strange's life to being like yeah. his weak in the knees you can do it enabling uh -huh. female counterpart who's just like use the dreamwalk okay so so that was one yeah. resounding like yeah you should definitely use right. dark magic we're not afraid of the dark side anymore. and then also it just like how he used the souls of the dead as like a literal oh slingshot they're like you must not yeah. use a dead body like their treatment of that wasn't like oh, i i like have to it was kind of like <laughs> it, let's embrace it Here yeah we go. jokes on you souls of yeah. the death. which okay so the real problem with dark magic in this world isn't actually that you're causing irrevocable harm per se because like do those mm -hmm. souls of the damned matter do they even matter to sam raimi i think the ultimate answer is they're freaky but no it's okay to do what you got to do and they try to temper it by being like, it extracts a terrible price on the user. But it seems like the character arc of Doctor Strange is that he's willing to get his hands dirty and sort of take that on himself. Like, I'll be the gritty dark one uh, who uses uh -huh. the dark magic to he's use He's not that. the doctor the multiverse needs. 
But he's the one that Interesting. deserves. Interesting, yeah. Um, there's two things that you should never do. This is how they set it up, right? There's two things you should never do. Use the dark magic or yes. trade lives and kill the girl to yes. get her power. They uphold the second one, but the first one they just dance yeah. all over. And they've been setting that up maybe even sure. in the first movie. Like, you've got to get your hands dirty. But what they're not willing to do is cross the line of, okay, kill the girl, take her power, protect totally. the world from interdimensional domination. Totally. So yeah, that was the other theme I noticed. Is it okay to sacrifice some people for the good of the whole? So Doctor Strange mm -hmm. in Endgame says, yes, it's okay if they're willing. If they sacrifice themselves Well, first. Strange takes it even a step further. Captain America won't trade lives in Endgame. That's like his starting. He changes a little bit on that, you know, as they realize sometimes sacrifices are necessary in war. That's like the mm -hmm. message of Endgame. But it's like, how do we do that with integrity? He says that there was no other way. Yeah, so Strange is willing to trade some people's happiness for the good of the whole. Wanda, likewise in Endgame, is totally willing. But then that becomes a slippery slope for Wanda in this movie, where she says, don't mm -hmm. tell me about what it's like to sacrifice some people's happiness. Like, I've already done it. I blew a hole in the, the face of the guy I loved, and I'm willing to do that here. But Wanda is clearly evil. So then evil Doctor Strange likewise is saying, yeah, he's totally willing yeah. to just take her power from her and kill her. And he's like, I'm sad about this, but I have to. Those are clearly evil actions. And they're exactly what Thanos did also, by the way. Kill half the people so that the other half can have a better yes. world. Yes. That's the same logic. And we all, the MCU is clear in saying this is not the answer. And they handle that, I think, in Endgame honorably by showing that Sometimes you do have to sacrifice yourself, but you should never extract that sacrifice from innocent uh -huh. people. And so where does that theme play out in this movie? How did they answer that in this one? Yeah, I think where we get a little scrambled is that Wanda, she does understand the, the concept of sacrifice for the greater good, but she is no longer caring about the greater good. She's only caring about her personal happiness. There's something she wants that she can never have, and that's her boys that don't actually exist. The same thing, by the way, that Steven wants. He wants Christine, but he can never have her in any universe. Right. He'll never get to be with Christine, and Wanda will never get to be with her boys. And she crosses over from making a sacrifice for the greater good to making a sacrifice for my personal gain. Yeah. So on that note, I actually liked how Doctor Strange answered that question because in the very first sort of half, he's at Christine's wedding and he honorably chooses to like let her be happy and respect her decision and not meddle yeah. with her marriage. And that's yeah. what sets Strange up as a hero for us because he's definitely on the yes. side of like honor and like truly valuing the happiness of another in contrast to Wanda. Yeah. And so actually, I think this yeah. movie did try to land the plane as well as they could on that question. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that you don't always get to have the thing that's gonna make you personally happy. Yes, yeah. You can't solve that problem with the multiverse or yes. time travel or whatever. There are some things in life that you can never have. Yes. And Wanda offers it to him, but the, the cost is the greater good. The multiverse isn't a cure for everything that's ever gone wrong. It always comes at a cost. For Wanda, her character arc is to see her other self who says, know that they'll be loved. Mm. And she she eventually like, okay, I'll back down. I won't be a scary witch. In mm -hmm. response to just knowing that there's happiness in other parts of the universe. 
But I'll just say I did wrestle with this movie somewhat because the character development felt sloppy. Christine's character arc goes from being really responsible, suspicious, voice of reason to just being like, use the dark magic, do it. Also, her accusation is you're exactly the same as all the other Doctor Stranges. And he just proves her right, basically. You have to be the one holding the knife. And and I think their conclusion is like, yeah, that's Doctor Strange. He's got to be the one right. who takes the hard call and the sacrifice. Well, but he uses the dark hold, but he doesn't show up and kill America. If he was the same as all the other Doctor Stranges, he would show up, kill America, take her power, and then do the thing that he did in the first yeah. scene in his dream yeah. in Ponytail. Good point. Strange. But he doesn't. He shows up. He's like, I came all this way just to tell you, you have the power. <laughs> You've had it all along. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, wait. So just, <laughs> and, and I appreciate that that's where they were going with it. He actually is different. But my big question is, mm -hmm. why? Why is he different? Because the message of the movie then seems to be, you can do all the same things as the bad guys, you don't have to become a bad guy like them. But my main question is why? Because sometimes in the real world, when the ends justify the means and we use the same means as the bad guys, we do become the bad guy. And no one thinks that that's going to be them. And this Doctor Strange doesn't think it's going to be him. Even Thanos, in his heart yeah. and mind, he believes he's doing what's best for humanity. So it feels unsatisfying. It feels like they, yes, they reached the right place where like, see, he's not the same as the others. But the real question is why? And this is what I wanted to say on this, Carlin, because you brought it up with where, what he tells America, which, oh man, if there's the tropiest trope ever, it's yeah. just believe in yourself and your true power can shine, you know? It's a trope, a trope. And then instantly she knows how to control the thing that she's been struggling to. She's been subject to this star portal her whole life. And all of a sudden she can control it because she has the power of belief. And what? And yeah. And what? Where did that come from? Just like left field. The power of belief. Yeah. Like he just says token. that and she's like. It's token. Oh, it's the tropiest trope. <laughs> um, but hey, it works. So I was a little unsatisfied so with that. True. But Carlin, this is what I think it points to. You know, we talk about sometimes movies have explicit and implicit messages. Messages. I think the implicit message of Doctor Strange mm -hmm. is unfortunately the same as every other movie. And this is why it's hard for us to make sense of it. But the real answer is Doctor Strange is different than the other Doctor Stranges because he believes in himself enough to be the good guy. Again, Christine goes, you're the master of the mystic arts. Use them. And that's his big character moment where he goes, oh, I can use the dark arts and still be myself. Right. I'm good enough. I'm powerful enough. Even though all the other Doctor yeah. Stranges have tampered in this power and yeah. it's corrupted them, I will use them and I will not be corrupted. I will not be corrupted. And he isn't, but it's unsatisfying to me because it's like, well, why wouldn't he be the same as the other Doctor Stranges? And I think there's a real answer that we could have pointed to but it felt like we crammed in the believe in yourself message, which is the same for America right. and Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah. What, what is that message? What could they have said? Well, I do think that's a great segue into our third <laughs> <laughs> question. Nice. Doctor Strange wants to say, yeah, there's serious problems with dark magic. But they also want to say, but sometimes if you just need to use it, if you have uh -huh. to, please yeah. do. And so our Christian worldview, like, what, how does Christianity treat dark magic? I know. I mean, I know I've already mentioned Lord of the Rings, but we learned so thoroughly in that you have this object that holds incredible amounts of power, the ring of power, and it's so tempting. And many people have been tempted to use it 
kings, wizards. Yeah. Everybody's been tempted to use it. And the ones that do always fall to corruption. And it might not happen right away. It might happen slowly. It might be just a subtle thing, but eventually the lust for power becomes their primary drive and they forget about the good they were trying to do. And even Frodo at the very end has his temptation where he's going to keep the ring. And the truth that, that you have to depend on if you're going to go all the way to Mordor is this power is corrupting and it's evil and it cannot be used for good. Yes. And here's the thing with Lord of the Rings. I'm so glad you brought it up because mm. it really is the antithesis of this message a little bit. Tolkien's not unrealistic about the effects of yeah. evil and yeah. how hopeless it seems sometimes. I mean, really, like Mordor is going to win, you know, nearly the whole time. And Frodo doesn't have the strength to carry the ring all the way through. Mm-hmm. There's failure on Frodo's part because evil is just too strong for him. Like literally, he does everything yeah. he could do but it's not enough. But Tolkien's real worldview comes through at the end of Lord of the Rings with this phrase he coined called mm. catastrophe," which is against all odds, greater forces conspire to make something good happen when all mm. seems lost. And so the key point in Lord of the Rings is when Gandalf says there are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides mm. the will of evil. And Tolkien is characteristically understated with that, but it is the major theme because at the end, Gollum's own lust for the ring undoes the evil that he was trying to do. And Uh catastrophe occurs. The ring is destroyed. So, but Tolkien isn't, he's not cavalier about like the power of evil. He takes it pretty seriously, but his worldview is the opposite. He, He really reiterates and lands on, you cannot succumb temptation to use evil, even when all seems lost. And if you just hold on long enough, there are other forces at work besides the will of evil that will conspire. Like the happy endings can happen. Right. So even though you can never use the forces of evil to accomplish good, what a Christian worldview says is, what the enemy intends for evil, God can use for good. Not the powers themselves, yes. but the the consequences of evil can yeah. be redeemed by that outside force that creates the catastrophe, And that would be a loving God. Yes, totally. I think our Christian worldview speaks really clearly to like what dark mm-hmm. magic is to. And basically, it's like, just don't mess with it. I think a Christian worldview tells us mm-hmm. the occult is real. Because those rules aren't arbitrary. They're not like putty in our hands. You know, with Doctor Strange, it's sort of like, okay, you can use the dark magic and sure, it'll extract a toll, but like there's cost-benefit analysis and you can work the system. And I think that's the temptation with the occult. There's there's a forbidden power out there. You can work the system. Totally. And no one who's dabbling in like Wiccanism or, or other beliefs that I would say, you know, open the door to some of the occult things that are real, uh, no one thinks they're actually like going to be a captive to true evil. They think that they're able to game the system. But I think scripture just again and again says, have nothing to do with that stuff. And it's because the spiritual forces at work in this world are bigger than us yeah. in some ways. We're creatures. We, we're not the masters of the mystic arts. No one ever was. God alone has that power. And so if you fear God, just leave it alone. And even if we get away from just like the stereotypically occult, I think we could just ask the broader question, like can you use dark means to accomplish good ends? And I think Christianity's answer to that is a resounding no as well, which is one of the reasons why when Jesus says, don't resist an evil person, if they slap you on your left cheek, offer your right cheek to them as well. Like you're not gonna use violence 
and retribution and expect good ends to come out of that. The, the ends don't justify the means. So maybe this is kind of the obvious silly question, but my mind immediately kind of goes to what about the exceptions to that? Like what about when people are justified in using force in order to stop evil, overcome evil. Oh, definitely. So Christianity is not against the use of force in a fallen world, Mm. but it is against vices like revenge or taking the law into our own hands because it's pretty clear that God actually Uh ordains certain human institutions for the purpose of enacting justice. And so Christianity's ethical system is within that framework. So Uh when Jesus says, don't resist an evil person, he doesn't actually mean let evil happen to innocent people around you. He's very clear about protecting the innocent. He speaks really strongly, for example, about people who would want to harm children or cause Mm -hmm. children to stumble, you know. But in a personal sense, he's getting at the heart attitude. And this is so much of scripture, but it's really true of Jesus' teaching. He's less concerned with externals first, although it does have something to say about externals, but he's going even deeper to the status of our hearts. And if our hearts crave violence or revenge or dark methods to accomplish otherwise noble ends, it's actually corrupting uh, to us. And so Christians are, are not allowed to pursue revenge. We're allowed justice, but not revenge. When we say the ends justify the means, it makes you wonder, what are the true ends? If you are seeking to use dark powers to accomplish what you think is a noble goal, maybe your goal isn't actually as noble as you think it is. Revenge is not noble. Yeah. Even Wanda's motherhood, yeah. that to us feels like one of the most sacred kinds of relationships, one of the most sacred loves you could have as a mother towards her son. But she's not really loving her sons because she's taking the real mother yeah. from them. And she's terrifying them and destroying their their safety in their world. And so yeah. as noble as her ends feel to her, really, they are selfish. Yeah. She, what she wants is to be with her boys, not for her boys to have the best life they could have. It's not love. Yeah, totally. So, Carlin, on that note, one thought that I definitely had as it relates to a Christian worldview is the temptation of Jesus that they lay out in Luke's gospel. Yeah, right before Jesus starts his ministry. Yeah. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he's tempted by the devil. And he eats nothing during those days. And he finally comes back at the end of 40 days And the devil tempts him. He takes him to the top of the temple and he says, throw yourself off and angels will keep you from hitting the crown. And Jesus says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And Satan says, you know, turn these stones into bread and use your authority to get something for yourself. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. So as I was thinking about that, I mean, first of all, there's an obvious correlation because it's like occult power attempting you to use, you know, occult methods to accomplish otherwise noble ends. Like the world should and will bow to Jesus at the end of time. Satan wants to shortcut that process. Well, you could have it right now without going through your death on the cross and your resurrection and all the pain and suffering. You could have it right now if you just worship me. Because Jesus does have the power. He doesn't turn rocks into bread, but he yeah, does totally. turn bread into more bread. Like you said, they do bow down. And like, is Satan tempting Jesus to use power that doesn't belong to him? Or is he tempting to use his power to accomplish selfish ends? Yeah, that's a good distinction. I mean, I think we could define a cult broadly as like a misapplication of spiritual power. Jesus points to, when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, 
I think he's answering a seriously important question for us. Is there a higher power at work in this world? If we only lived by bread, then that would be like the worldview of materialism. You know, there's just the material world around us. There's just what we can do with it. But Jesus is saying we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? Like he, uh, he's pointing to the fact that we live in a world created by God and sustained by God. And so even when it seems hopeless, even when he's literally starving for bread there, he's going to stay true to what God had called him to do and not use the methods of Satan to accomplish God's ends because he knows that God is actually at the helm. Jesus is doing the will of his father and he doesn't do anything that God doesn't call him or ask him to do. And I think that applies to us and the temptation to use, yes, the occult, but also other unsavory methods to accomplish what we would see as like the good. I think the core question is, do you think that there's someone at the helm with a higher purpose? I think Dr. Strange answers ultimately no. In some ways, in some ways, it says no because like the souls of the damned or whatever are just kind of silly putty. They're like scary silly putty you can play with, (laughs) you know? And there's not really like an eternal (laughs) consequence for that per se. There might be in a sequel, but they don't really give us the real answer to that other than he has a third eye now or whatever, you know? Yeah, right. But in other places, the movie does say, you know what, you need to relax, you need to trust that there's goodness in the world. So like when Wong says, yeah, we can't make everything perfect, but there's there's something good here. There's real friendship. I can't remember his exact line Wh- at the when end. When is this? At the end of the... When Doctor Strange finally bows to Wong. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. And that it was funny, but it also was... I wish they would have like set up that moment more because I think it has deeper significance. Like Strange is actually... Not just a joke. Yeah, because I don't think it is just a joke. I think Wong has a deep trust in sort of that institution and the goodness that they represent. And Strange is deviating from that a little bit. But Wong actually is able to settle for his lot, you know, like some suffering, some happiness, because he has trust in sort of a bigger purpose, a bigger system. Whereas Wanda and all the evil Doctor Stranges need to take that power into their own hands to sort of craft the world into their own image. But the truth is, it's, it's too big for them. It's not right for them to take that power. Right. Maybe the consequences of tampering with the evil powers are going to, the cost will sure. come due, as Mordo says. Like eventually, maybe Doctor Strange will become another Wanda, where we have a a hero that's reached out and taken power that doesn't belong to them, and they become their own villain. Eventually, the ones that are still on the side of righteousness will have to stand up to them. Maybe, but I also am, I'm like 50-50 on it because of the booyah way that they said, yeah, Dr. Strange, just take the power. You know, it's like, we harness the corpse of your other body, (laughs) possess a corpse and create demon wings so that you can, So it's a little muddy, but let me just, let me just land on this. The Christian worldview is really unequivocal on this. You don't get to use evil methods or evil things to accomplish the good. And Christians, the reason why we can choose to do the right thing, the movie eventually wants Doctor Strange to do, the why that they're missing, we have. And it's because this isn't just a multiverse of madness. There's actually someone at the helm of everything. He makes the rules. He's not just a set of principles. Those flow out of his personhood, but he's a person. And so Uh there's not just... Right, right and wrong in the abstract as sort of rigid principles, they're there, but they're also 
uh, responsive to the personhood of God and the meaning that that infuses through every single action we take. Nothing is random. Everything matters in an eternal sense in a Christian worldview. And that's why even when the temptation is to do something simple for Jesus, make some bread, bro, like you can do it. His answer is, no, I'm serving a higher power. Man doesn't live by bread alone. And as God come down to earth, that says something to humanity. That's what the gospel is getting at. But also because Jesus is meant to represent the perfect man. Scripture calls him the second Adam. You know, the way that Adam should have Uh been, Jesus is. He's showing us rightly how human beings should respond under duress like that. And that gives rise to one of the greatest Christian virtues, which is hope. Without believing that there is someone at the helm and someone ultimately that is good, right? that enables us to have hope that's actually meaningful yeah. and actually powerful. Without that, to say hope, it's kind of yeah. silly. It's like, you mean have a fiction in your head that makes you have happy feelings? <laughs> yeah, right. For a Christian, it's not just hope that uh, someday I'll get to float around in heaven with the angels when I die. It's that everything that's wrong with the world will be made right. Yeah. God will set things right and evil will be dealt with appropriately and he will redeem what was broken in the world. Yeah, well said, well said. And, and one last note on that as it relates to the occult. The same mm-hmm. power that tells Christians, hey, just don't mess with the dark, you know, whatever, occult or like raising people from the dead or witchcraft, also tells yeah. us we don't need to. There's actually nothing yeah. that occult power offers us that that isn't rightfully ours in Christ mm-hmm. anyway. And so we're actually free from that sort of weird... The appeal. Yes. The appeal of the occult is that esoteric, hidden knowledge, yeah. secret power yeah. that you can access yeah. to accomplish the ends that yeah. you desire. We don't need it. And it pulls the sex appeal right out of it when, <laughs> totally. you, when you realize that yeah, I don't need to conjure up souls or spirits or whatever if I know that we're going to be together in eternity like I'm going to see my loved ones again yeah it's a trick of the enemy to make us miserable there's no real power to it but there is plenty of suffering to the occult and I know a lot of people will be like divided if they hear this without a Christian perspective but man like you know we know people who have uh, been through some of the deepest hells of witchcraft or occult practice and you know, that's reason enough for me, but I think the real bottom line is we're good. Like it's okay. Like there's goodness at the core and the multiverse of madness sort of is like, if you're going to beat evil, you need to dip into the evil. And in their self-contained worldview, that might be true for all we know. And that's depressing. And that is depressing. Uh, Then it becomes total chaos, just evil forces fighting uh, any force. Just, oh my gosh, like a kaleidoscope of nausea. (laughs) Bad trip. So we didn't love this movie. We didn't didn't love this movie. (laughs) We didn't love it. Sorry if you loved it. Um, Someone mentioned mentioned to me, they thought that since bad one has the dark hold, they thought good Wanda was going to open the book of goodness, the good hold. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> the and good hole. that power to defeat her <laughs> alternate self. Well, that would have been cool. But that didn't happen. No. Could have, would have, should have. Could have, would have, should have. From a filmmaking perspective, they were just trying to do too much. And their ultimate answer was like, believe in yourself and, and look, scared. Scramble it. Just scramble <laughs> scared it. Kids. Scramble those eggs. Scared kids make anyone turn good. That's a fact. Oh my gosh. Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness. 
Thanks for tuning in to hear us just absolutely rip on this film. But um, some redemptive. We were generous. I think we were very generous. <laughs> this is me being generous. All right. Catch you later. Because that's what she says. I got it. All right. Peace. Peace Bye. out. Cinema Snorkel. Bye.